Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. How many times in this life, it makes me introspective when I read things like this, because I wonder how many times I've been down here in the floor picking up crumbs whenever God says, if you'll just raise your eyes up a little bit, I've got a whole cake sitting on this table. We hope you find this message encouraging. Probably one of the quintessential uh, examples of stopping here. Can we just stop here? And what it amounts to is Moses has led the children of Israel for 40 years in the wilderness. The generation that were the naysayers, the ones that said we can't do this, uh, had all died off. New generation of people with the exception of Joshua and Caleb. And Moses and Joshua was involved there uh, as a leader. And so the the thing that uh, happened was they're getting ready. They're making plans to go in and take the promised land. This was something that God had promised them for years and years and years, for literally generations. This is going to be your land. This is, as he's promised them, going to be a land of milk and honey. You're going to go in there, and and when the spies went in and spied it out, they didn't come back and say God wasn't true to his word. They came back and said, it's truly everything God said it would be. It says that they brought back a a bunch of grapes. You know, uh, what do they call that? Cluster, okay. Uh, I just couldn't think of the word for it. They brought back a cluster of grapes, and it was so big that they had to put it on a staff, and two guys had to tote it on their shoulder. Now, I've seen some pretty, pretty healthy grapes before, but anybody ever seen any that you would need two guys to put it on their staff and tote it home like it was a deer? I mean, it was, it was huge. And they come back, and they, you know, Moses, okay, what's the report? Oh, it's everything God said. Except there's giants in the land. And woe is us because we can't go get it. <laughs> and, and Joshua and Caleb both said, if, if God is with us, if God's for us, who can be against us? Let us go in and possess the land. Oh, but the giants. <laughs> I just can't stand it. So, you know, as God gets mad, Moses gets mad, and lots of stuff going on there. But essentially what it comes down to is God said, because you were in the land for 40 days, and you spied it out, and you come back with this report that it truly is everything, for those 40 days, that's going to represent a year that you're going to wander in the wilderness. You will not possess the land. The fact is, your children will be the ones that will possess it. And so what happens here in Numbers chapter 32 is the 40 years have passed. And they're getting ready to go in and they're getting ready to possess the promise finally after all these years of wandering in the desert. And all that time, God was with them. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, they could see God. I think that would be an awesome thing. Amen? But for the children of Israel, it it might have been awesome, but their faith never grew. So they're making preparations to go in and possess the land, and there are two and a half tribes. The two half tribes, if you've ever read the Old Testament, you wonder what about these half tribes. They were the two sons of Joseph. 
And whenever Jacob was getting ready to pass away, he basically bypassed Joseph because Joseph had already been blessed. And he says, I'm going to give your inheritance to your children. And so uh, Joseph's tribe became split. It was was really two whole tribes, but they were half-tribes because they were grandsons and not sons. And so it was Manasseh and Ephraim. And so Manasseh is the one that was involved, this half-tribe of Manasseh. And Reuben, who makes a mean sandwich, by the way, and, and Gad. See, you didn't know that applied there, but it does. So you had Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and they come to Moses. I mean, we're getting ready to go in and receive God's promise that we've been waiting for all these years. Uh, Moses, you got a minute? This is the way it happens. You got a minute? <laughs> hey, sure, I got a minute. Um, this is really, really good land here. Moses says, but we're not, we hadn't even crossed the Jordan yet. We're, we're not in the promised land. Yeah, no, but it's really good land. It's got good grass on it. It's good pasture. And, and pasture is good for cows. And, and we talked about this last week. And we've got cows. <laughs> So Moses is like, what? Surely my ears are stopped up and I didn't hear you right. No, 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 we want to stop here. Can we stop here? That close to the promised land. That close to receiving everything that God had prepared for them for years. That close to stepping over the Jordan River that we would call a creek. That's about the size of it where they were. It wasn't like it was this big, big jaunt across the river. And so Moses, I mean, he just, he takes him to the woodshed for a minute here. And he says, are you kidding me? All this time, and, and, and we thought you were different, and, and you're just like your parents were. You're stiff-necked and hard-hearted, and you won't follow what the Lord says. And are you going to sit here and discourage the rest of the children of Israel? Well, we didn't mean to discourage anybody. It's good pasture. And pasture's good for cows. And did I mention we have cows? As I said last week, they were so, if you look at, just go through Numbers chapter 32 and underline cattle, cows, herds, and you're going to underline several times, different amounts for different translations, but they were so caught up with their cows. You are fixing to go into the promised land. And you're worried about your cows. Talked about it last week. The, the people, it's just like it when Jesus cast the demons out of, out of legion. And let, let, let us go into, these, into the pigs over here. And the people that were standing there, the herdsmen of these pigs, were so upset that their pigs ran down the hill and drowned themselves. In the, in the like, that that's what they went back to town talking about. I think if I had seen Jesus rescue this guy who was demon-possessed, I would have forgot about the pigs, and I would have been saying, you are not going to believe what Jesus did for this guy right here. Somebody say amen. Sometimes we get caught up with our stuff. Our herds and our, and our pigs and our cows and and we forget what the intention of the whole thing is, we are headed to the promised land. 
Forget about your cows, forget about your pigs, forget about your stuff, forget about your things. And remember what the goal is. Remember where we started out with this thing. Where are we going? If we're at point A, we, we've got point B in the, in the site there. There may be, maybe it's point C. Maybe there is a B somewhere along the way. But ultimately, we are headed to the promised land. And sometimes we settle. And I mean that figuratively and I mean that literally. Sometimes we settle for a whole bunch less than what God has in store for us. Sometimes we take the first thing that comes along, just like these people did. It wasn't necessarily bad. It wasn't that the land was cursed. It was good for cows. And and did I mention they had cows? But it wasn't what God had intended for them. And they kind of took a step back and said, oh, I guess I can see where you're coming from, Moses. Here's the deal. If you'll give us a little bit of time, we're going to make a city for our kids and our wives, and we're going to make pens for our cows, because I did mention that we had cows, didn't I? And we're going to make pens for our cows, and then we're going to send our elite fighting force, and you can put us at the, at the point. We'll go in first on everything, and we won't come back home until... Everybody's received their promise. Oh, yeah, and by the way, we'll relinquish any claim that we have, any heritage that we have in the promised land. Are you kidding me? Going to give up your place in the promised land over some cows. But that's what the essence of this whole chapter is about. And Moses said, okay, this is the deal. Go make your pens for your cows, because I know you have cows, and make you a city for your women and children where they'll be safe. And then you're going to run point on everything we do. And if you don't stand up to what you say, if you don't keep your promise, the Lord's going to be against you. And they were still satisfied to settle for less than. How many times in this life, it makes me introspective when I read things like this because I wonder how many times I've been down here in the floor picking up crumbs whenever God says, if you'll just raise your eyes up a little bit, I've got a whole cake sitting on that table for you. We take the first thing that comes down the line. We settle for second best. We settle for third best sometimes. And we never take time to say, God, what is it you want from me? What is it that you want for me? I want your very best instead of settling. Can we settle here? So we kind of got that covered last week, and then this is the part that it didn't get covered. The reasons why we settle sometimes. Why do we settle for less than? Why do we settle for second best or third best when God says, I've got the first thing that was in my mind? And sometimes it's a lack of vision. Sometimes we run through this life, again, if we relate it back to where I started with the cars, uh, the automobiles, if you, if you can't see where you're going, guess what's going to happen really, really quick? You're going to end up in a ditch, okay? I've said it before. If you spend way much more time looking in the rear view than you do looking out the windshield, if you look at what was in the past, if you look at all the good old days, Oh, I just say, I am in love with the good old days. Guess what's going to happen? If I spend all my time looking in the rear view, I'm going to run into somebody or I'm going to run into the ditch. 
I'm not going to be going where I'm supposed to be going. And, and I've said this for a long time. You know what the best thing about the good old days is? That they were the good old days. Amen? Because they happened, and hallelujah, whether it was good, bad, or indifferent for you, uh, it, it's a wonderful thing. And there's nothing wrong with all of us drive our cars looking, glancing every now and then up at the rear view. Why do we do that? Make sure there's not somebody coming up at 50 miles an hour to tag you from behind. But also to reminisce. Okay, I remember when I came by that. I remember when God did this in my life. I remember when that happened. Whew, I'm glad that's over. Amen. And I've, I've told you one of my favorite scriptures. In fact, is I think it is my favorite scripture in the Bible. And it's several times in the Bible. There's, there's more than one particular place where it's used. And that is, it came to pass. That is my favorite absolute scripture. It came to pass. Hallelujah. It didn't come to stay. It came to pass. You can get through anything when you realize it came to pass. Amen. And, and so here we are. And sometimes we lack vision. Sometimes we're, we're, we've got our eyes on the things to the side. That's what Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they were looking around. Woo, look at all this pasture. That'd be so good for our cows. Hey, you, you remember I had cows, don't you? Yeah. I remember you had cows. Well, let's stop here. And they forgot that the promised land was what they were headed for in the beginning. They might have had that route marked out on their map, and they might have had it highlighted in red. But whatever it was that got their attention, they forgot what the ultimate goal was, and that is to get to heaven. Sometimes we get disappointed. Sometimes in this life things happen, and it doesn't happen the way we wanted it to happen. Sometimes things happen that break our hearts. Sometimes things happen that are hallelujah moments. But ultimately, it comes down to this. We can't get caught up in what happened yesterday. We got to keep our eyes on the goal, and we got to keep on going. If we stop, guess what? We're going to miss out on what God has planned for us. Somebody say amen. Peter, that arguably, other than the Apostle Paul, one of the most important people that God called into the kingdom. He, he spent more time building the church, spent a little bit of time writing. You can tell Peter's personality was not that of a, of a, of a melancholic because he didn't write that much. He was out busy talking to people. He was one-on-one with people. But whenever Jesus died and it didn't happen the way he thought it would, Lord, is this the time that you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Is this the time that you are going to let us go out there and thump some Roman heads? That was the kind of guy Peter was. He was, a, he was a rough and tumble kind of guy. You can tell a couple of times whenever the guy came to arrest Jesus, what happened? Did he say, oh, please, sir. Gosh, golly gee, don't do that. And what happened? He took the sword that Jesus told him to go by and tried to cut his head off. He missed and cut his ear off. Peter was a fisherman. You knew that, didn't you? Fishermen don't know how to use a sword. He was, trying, he was aiming to kill the guy. He was going to protect Jesus. But the deal was... After Jesus died and he just kind of lost his vision. And what is the next scene? When it changes scenes, what do we find Peter doing? Fishing. And somebody cries out from the shore, you caught any fish? Nah, man, we've been fishing all night long and we ain't caught nothing. I mean nothing. Why don't you try dropping your net on the other side of the boat? little deja vu all over again. 
Because that's how Jesus met Peter. Amen. Or Peter met Jesus, however you want to look at it. And so he said, uh, okay, let's drop that net over the side of the boat. And whenever he pulls it up, the boat's like, trying to pull up that big load of fish. He said, uh-oh, I ain't got time to wait for this boat to get back to shore. He jumps in the water and swims up there to Jesus. But what happened in between him being the leader of the, of the disciples, the one that was going to go with Jesus all the way, and him going back to fishing? He lost his vision. This is not going down the way I thought it would. I had this pictured in my mind. How many of us ever do that? And how many times do those pictures not measure up to the way it really happens? You can't lose your vision. God's got a plan. God knew that's the way it was going to come down. Jesus tried to tell them several times, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and they're going to crucify me. What did Peter say? Get behind me, Satan. I mean, that's what Jesus said to Peter. He said, no, no, Lord, don't let it be. Everybody's going to forsake me, and I'm going to die on the cross. And Peter pulls him off to the side. Man, you're really being a doggy downer here. Say it ain't so. <laughs> and that's whenever Jesus told him, get behind me, Satan. You don't even know what you're talking about. Your, your, your human mind, your finite mind can't wrap around what I'm fixing to do here. I'm trying to tell you. And it says in several places, after the resurrection, the disciples had these aha moments. Aha. I see now why that happened. The, yeah, yeah, I see what you did there. And they began to tie it all together. But at that moment, they were so limited on what they could see that it clouded their vision. And so Peter says, Jesus is dead. We're not going to get to thump any Roman heads. I'm going back to fishing. And who was with him? The rest of the disciples. <laughs> Peter was a leader. And so when he went back to fishing, the rest of them went back to fishing. And that's why Moses says to this two and a half tribes, are you going to sit here and discourage your brethren while they go in and possess the land? They're going to say, it's not worth it. It's not worth going and, and paying the price that we're going to have to pay. They had to fight their way into the kingdom. They had to fight their way into the promised land. Now, God could have emptied it out, but his whole idea was, if I empty it out ahead of you, then, number one, you're not going to have any place to stay. And so I'm letting these people build houses and cities and towns and things that you're going to go in and possess. You're going to have farm, farmland that's already cleared off. You're going to have cities that are already built. And if I were to go ahead and run everybody out, then the wild animals would take it, and the weeds would take the field, and you'd have double the work to do. God was taking care of them. This is the way it's going to happen. We're going to go in, and step by step, we're going to take the promised land. But what happened was they lost their vision, just like Peter lost his vision. And sometimes we do that too. Sometimes we forget about what the ultimate plan was. We forget about what God has whispered to us in the dark of night that got us through that. Because sometimes in the daylight, we got all this stuff to look at, and sometimes we get, we get off track. But you've got to go back, and you've got to remember what God whispered to you in the dark of night to get through sometimes and to remember what your vision is and what we're supposed to do. So, lack of vision. Number two, ignorance. And ignorance is not necessarily a bad thing. There's a difference between being ignorant and being stupid. Sometimes we assume that ignorant is stupid. 
Ignorant is I don't know something. And everybody's ignorant of something. I'm pretty ignorant when it comes to quantum physics. Okay, I, I, if somebody could come in and tell me this was what it was, and I say, okay, I'll, I'll take you at your word. I'm ignorant of that. So that's ignorant. I don't know something. Stupid is you don't know that you don't know. Amen? Because how many of you have ever watched television, news programs especially? We've got an expert in here. And if you know anything about what he's talking about, you say, he is absolutely full. There's a technological word for that, baloney. You are full of baloney. <laughs> and, and I know what he's talking about. And it ain't right. My wife, just sometimes she will not let me watch TV. Because she says, you know too many things about too many things, and you always are telling me where they're wrong, why, they're not, why what they're saying is not right, and it's, it's always true. There was one time I called it, I think it was last night, maybe Friday night. There was something on television, and I told her the ingredient that they were going to need to be able to take care of it, and later on in the show, they said this was what they had to put in there to make it work. And I told Angie, I said, I'm a virtual gold mine of useless information. <laughs> so, so ultimately it comes down to this we're all ignorant of something but they'll have these experts on there that don't know that they don't know and if you look at what is an X if you take the word expert and you break it apart what is an X something that's former okay ex-husband, ex-wife, ex-job all these kind of stuff it's what used to be and what is a spurt it's a drip under pressure Okay, when something spurts something out, it's just a drip that was under pressure. So, whenever you've got an expert, what does it mean that they are? They are a former drip. So, just a little little extra there that doesn't cost you anything extra. But when you're watching the next expert on TV, you just remember, that's a former drip. So, here's the deal. We all are ignorant of something. We are all ignorant of some things, and especially where the Lord's concerned, our minds don't usually function in that direction. Again, back to Peter. Jesus explained it, and we have the, we have the, the, the great idea and the great perspective of we can read, and we know what happened, and so we can put two and two together. Jesus kept telling them, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to pay for the sins of mankind. They couldn't wrap their brains around it. They were ignorant of what God was going to do. And sometimes things come into our life and we are ignorant of them. Sometimes the, the Lord gives us gifts, gifts of the Holy Spirit, and if we are ignorant of them, we don't know how to use them, we don't know how they function, we don't know how to apply them in our lives. And so sometimes we ignore them, just completely ignore them, because we're ignorant of how they function. It's like a, I heard about this guy. This was back in the days, early 1900s, whenever they, people were going out west and they were logging just like crazy. Well, he heard of these new inventions called a chainsaw. He'd been out there with a cross-cut saw and he was cutting some pretty big trees. And so he heard of this thing and how productive it was. And so he went to the, went to the big town and bought a chainsaw. And so he comes back and he said, boy, this is going to increase my productivity quite a bit. And so the first day he cut seven trees. Well, the second day he cut five trees. And the third day he cut four trees. And the, the fourth day, and this guy told him, said, it's money back guarantee. You're going to be happy with this chainsaw. It's going to increase your productivity. If not, bring it back. 
So by the fifth day, he was down to one tree. And he says, I'm headed back into town, and I'm going to take this saw back. It, it's, it's not not doing anything. It's not increasing my productivity. So he goes back to the store where he bought it from, and uh, he says, man, I want to take you up on your money back offer. So this thing didn't help my productivity on. He goes through how many trees he cut on what day. And so the guy says, well, I said, I told you I'd guarantee it. So uh, he said, let's just check it out, make sure everything's good. And so he bends over there and primes it up and chokes it. And And the guy that bought it said, what's that noise? Come on, stay with the the story. (laughs) He said, what's that noise? So sometimes we get these things that, oh, they're all shiny and new and, they, and they're supposed to do all these things. But if we're ignorant of how they work, if we, are, if we don't crank it up, then guess what? It doesn't work properly in our life. And so ultimately what happens is we get so concerned with cutting trees that we forget about what our goal was. So everybody's ignorant of something and we have to absolutely depend on the lord for our wisdom our understanding our knowledge we need to depend on insights from the holy spirit as far as discernment and which way to go if there is a detour ahead is this a detour that the lord has provided or is this a detour that satan has put in my path is is this is this something that's going to help me along or is this something that's going to prevent me from getting where i'm supposed to be and ultimately none of us can answer that on our own None of us can answer that truly uh, without having some insight. And the only insight that we have is from the Holy Spirit. And that is why the Lord said, I'm going to pray to the Father. And he's going to send you another comforter, another helper, another paraclete, as I've shared with you many, many times. That's when it comes alongside. And he's going to be with you forever. And whenever you run into these things, you need to ask him and you need to rely on him and you need to depend on him. I have gotten to the point through the years that I am, I am, I'm not fearful, so don't, don't take what I'm going to say wrong, but I'm afraid to make a decision on my own. Amen. I'm, I'm pretty smart. I told you I'm a virtual goldmine of useless information. And there are a whole bunch of times whenever I say, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I was on a path in a yellow wood. And there was two, two roads before me. <laughs> and some of you know what I'm talking about. And which way should I go? Well, Lord, I don't know. So I need your help. I need you to give me discernment. I need you to give me direction. I need you to be that that you promised you would be in my life. I need to know which way to go. I need to know which job to choose. I need to, I need to know which uh, significant other is the one that you want for me. I need to know what educational path I'm supposed to pursue. As I've shared with you many, many times, I never, I never wanted to go to college, didn't have any inkling to go to college. I, w- I went to trade school out the wazoo. But that's what, I ha- that's what I had planned. But whenever I realized what God's calling was on my life, I prayed about it and said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And as I pursued my education, the Lord opened door after door after door of opportunity for me to go down a path that at that moment I did not understand how it would all come to bear fruit, but ultimately God had a plan. So, if we, are, if we began to settle, it's why? Lack of vision. 
That's number one. Then sometimes it is ignorance. We don't understand what's before us. We don't understand what God has put in us. And sometimes it's something called entropy. And this is where I do get into a little bit of quantum physics. It is actually the second law of thermodynamics. And I'm not going to bore you because when I told my wife about it, she said, that's really deep. So this is entropy, okay? When you drive a new car off the lot, that is entropy. Because you just lost several thousands of dollars without it doing anything, really. Actually, it's before you drive it off the lot. It's when you put it in your name. You have just experienced entropy. Uh, The last week of July, during summer break, with a group of teenagers. That's entropy. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? <laughs> That's entropy. And, and the, the whole thought behind entropy is that anything left to its own accord is going to degrade. Anything left without something being added to it, without some sort of catalyst to spark it along, it is always going to have a definable uh, degradation to whatever it is. That's the reason that they, can, they claim they can carbon date things. Carbon... The carbon atom has an entropy that is very predictable. So whenever they pick up a rock and they listen to it and it tells them that it's billions of years old, that's that time whenever you can say, I know what an expert is. <laughs> so ultimately, <laughs> that's entropy is what happens to stuff, but it also happens to people. And the children of Israel had experienced some entropy. They had been in the wilderness now for 40 years. Previous to that, they had been in bondage and slavery. There's, there's very few people groups on this earth that have not been in slavery. And the children of Israel were slaves many times. They had just been in slavery for 400 years. They knew about the Lord, but they didn't know him. And even though they were looking out their tent doors day and night and could see him at night in the pillar of fire and by day in the pillar of cloud, they didn't know him. In fact, this, their fathers, as we talked about last week, it's in Exodus uh, uh, chapter 20, whenever God was going to speak to them. and, And they came to Moses and said, his voice is scary. It sounds like thunder. Let him speak to you. And then you come and tell us. And I'm again, I'm like, What? Are you kidding? You had a chance to hear the voice of God and you said, Moses, why don't you go listen and come back and tell us? No. Anybody ever played the telephone game? I, I, I wouldn't even, as much as, as much respect as I have for Moses, I don't want to play the telephone game with Moses between him and God. I want to hear from God. Do you realize that we have that in the Holy Spirit? So ultimately, it comes down to this. Anything left to its own accord without having a catalyst to spark it along will always degrade. Whether it's the children of Israel, whether it's carbon atoms, or whether it's a church, or whether it's us as individuals. If we do not seek the spark of the Holy Spirit, if we do not seek for God to revive us from time to time, guess what? Entropy takes over. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? Because we've already forgotten that we, our ultimate goal was to make it to heaven and take as many people as we can with us. Folks, we've got to get off the X. We're setting on the X. X is where it's at. 
And we got there, and now we've got to get off the X. And we've got to go to the next X. And we've got to keep going until that day whenever God says, okay, it's time, and I'm coming to get you, or whether we leave here individually and as the Lord calls us home. But in the meantime, what we've got to do is realize that if we don't seek the spark of the Holy Spirit, if we don't seek and say, God, revive us, O Lord. Revive our hearts. Revive us again. Yes, Lord, we know what you did. I look in that rear view and I see what you did yesterday. And I see what you did two generations ago. And I see that you healed people. And I see that you opened blinded eyes and that lame people got up and walked. and, And that you're still dealing with people on an individual basis as well as a church body. But God, I don't want to look in that rear view and see it. I want to look out my windshield and see what you're doing tomorrow. Somebody say amen. So how do we do that? The simplest, easiest, best way. God, here I am. Would you use me? Here I am such as I am. God, would you 